Welcome to the laboratory of nonsense and the absurd. It's me, Professor Theodore Bumbledum, with my trusty sidekick, Dennis the Cat, who is meditating mindfully in the corner. We are here to make sense of your senses in... The Science of Sense! One, two, three, four, five, and six. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I wish? One, two, three, four, five, and six. There are many more senses. Come on, come on, come on. Of course, I'm not alone. I have with me two fabulous junior scientists ready to introduce themselves. So, on my left, there is Professor Milo. Milo, you've got 30 seconds. Take it away! My name is Milo. I enjoy playing sports such as football, basketball, and tennis. I have two pets, cats, um, called Dennis and Georgie. I enjoy playing video games, and I like reading fiction books. Yes, excellent. And now, over to the other scientist. It's Professor Luke. Hi, my name's Luke. I'm 13 years old. I play tennis, basketball. My favourite colour is blue. And I play the violin, the ukulele and the guitar. What? My, I have two pets. One is a rabbit called Toffee and a turtle called Gooby. And I like to play video games on my PS4. Oh, yes, indeed. So, of course, we must share with the world exactly which sense we'll be exploring today, professors. And we'll begin in the traditional way with a riddle. There are oh so many senses, much, much more than the famous five. A hundred thousand feelings why we live so free and wild. I woke this morning wondering how a dream could hold the key to the mysteries and contraries that make up most of me. In the dream I'd spent a lifetime simply staring at the sea. I just knew the tide was singing, that its waves were part of me. Watching you wake peacefully, it was clear and oh so true that being me is easiest when you are being you. I think we're dealing with consciousness. But Professor Bumbledum, what's consciousness? Is yours the same as mine? Does every living thing have a consciousness? All the questions, Milo. Though an expert on many, many things... This is not my area of expertise. But I do know some of the answers, because I got the chance earlier to ask some of these tough questions to experts on the subject. First, I talked to Fiona McPherson, Professor of Philosophy at University of Glasgow. I asked her, what is our consciousness? Ah, this is a tricky question. So... Consciousness is something that is very, very difficult to define and explain. It's often synonymous with expressions like awareness. And uh, the philosopher Thomas Nagel has a very nice way of trying to say what consciousness is. He says, there are some states that you go into, some mental states, where there's something that it is like for you to be in that state. We have lots of different sorts of conscious states. So we have visual experiences of colours and shapes. We have auditory experiences. And we have lots of different mental states where there's something it's like for us to be in them. And we can contrast that with states in which uh, we're not conscious. So when you're fast asleep in bed, not dreaming, then you're unconscious. You're not aware of anything. You're not having conscious thoughts or conscious emotions. You're not perceiving the world around you. And dreaming is an interesting state because when we dream, there's something that it's like for us to dream. So it's a conscious state, but we're not aware of the world around us. We're aware of whatever it is we're dreaming about. I also asked the same tough question to Anil Seth, Professor of Neuroscience at University of Sussex. 
Hello, Milo. Well, this is one of the biggest questions in all of science and philosophy. Again, it's very easy to take it for granted. Now, you wake up in the morning and there you are. But where were you before you were born? Was there anything it was like to be you? If you think about it, we're very, very complicated biological machines. Our brains are incredibly complicated objects. And somehow, out of all that, there is conscious experience. It, it feels like something to be me. It, it feels like something to be you. Does every living thing have a consciousness? Another very good question, and again, one that I'm very sorry. I don't know the, the answer to this. I don't think anybody does. It wasn't that long ago that people thought consciousness, this having of experiences, was something that only human beings have. But of course, anybody who's got a pet knows that that's not really true, very unlikely to be true. And I think most scientists and philosophers now would agree that consciousness is not just something that humans have, that people have. Many other animals have it too. Dogs, cats, elephants, monkeys, rabbits. They all have very similar brains to us, so they're very likely to have conscious experiences. But it will be a different kind of conscious experience. But as we get to the edges of the animal kingdom where we get creatures that are more dissimilar to us, like what about a worm? Do you think worms are conscious? It, it becomes harder and harder to see. So what makes that difference? Why is it that for us, complex animals with our brains, we have conscious experiences? And there's no good answer to that question. It's one of the, the most interesting and exciting frontiers science and medicine and philosophy that we have at the moment. If consciousness is a sense, does that mean we have more than five senses? So there's this idea that we only have five senses, and this goes right back thousands of years to the Greek philosopher Aristotle. The senses of seeing, of vision, of hearing things, of smelling things, tasting things and touching things, the five senses. But in fact, we have many more than five senses. Still, not entirely clear exactly how many. Some scientists think that there are up to 33 different senses. So you might think, how on earth could there be all those other senses? Well, let, you, let me give you some examples of other senses I think you have. So I think you have a sense of balance. If you go on a roundabout in a play park, you can close your eyes and you can tell that you're spinning around on the roundabout. And we know that if you hop off the roundabout, you're quite likely to have an illusion that you're still spinning, even when you're not. Well, that's your sense of balance that's uh, playing a role there. But we also have um, other senses. So Milo, um, could I ask you to close your eyes? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you know where your legs are? Yeah, they're on the ground. <laughs> on the ground. Um, so you're not seeing where your legs are because I asked you to close your eyes. So how do you know where your legs are? Well, I can we think feel that there's... there. You can feel that they're there, right? But you're not feeling the outside of your legs. You're feeling them from the inside, right? Yeah. So that feeling, that sense is called proprioception. And it's the sense of where your limbs and where your body is. So do we have a sixth sense? These are very good questions, Milo. Well, yes, you could pick any of the ones we've just talked about. But I think a lot of people use this idea of a sixth sense to mean something sort of supernatural. 
Now, I don't think anything like that really exists. We don't have senses that are outside of the natural world. Are we born with consciousness? You know, this is a fascinating question that I've thought about a lot and a lot of other scientists have thought about a lot. And nobody really knows when consciousness begins. At some point, we become aware of the world around us. And at some point, we become aware of being who we are. Me being Anil, you being Milo, we become aware of this. But exactly when the lights come on is something that science still really doesn't know. My guess is that we are born with consciousness, but it will be very different kind of consciousness. It will be very different experience being a five-minute-old baby than being you. Do you think of yourself, Milo? How do you think you're different from how you were when you were just born? Well, uh, uh, my personality is probably different. Like, I've experienced more things as well. That's right. Uh, you can talk. I can hear that you can talk. And you can talk when you were a baby. So you now have language. And you've come to know a whole bunch of different things about the world. You've come to know um, that there are tables and chairs in the world and that there are birds and bats in the world. Um, so you've gained a whole lot of beliefs about the world and you probably have various desires like you want presents for your birthday and you didn't have those desires when you're a baby because you didn't know about birthdays and so on. So I think that our mental lives become richer and more complex as we grow older and because of that that's that's one way in which our consciousness changes because many of these mental states are conscious states. Do I see the world as everyone else does? Well, I would say you definitely don't see the world as everyone else sees the world. So we all have different brains. We all have different past experiences. And these all feed into what our current experience is like. So um, we all do see the world differently. And I suppose scientists are really at the forefront of finding out about these differences. And I think that's a really good thing because the more we understand why we're different and we can explain and understand that, the better. I think we can come to understand our differences and come to a better appreciation of, of the way the world actually is. Why are we told to think positively? Yeah, we hear this a lot, right? The importance of positive thinking. I think it, a good example of this is just not always thinking that the worst is going to happen, but try to have a, a positive frame of mind about things. And this isn't to say that this makes all the difference, but it does make some difference. If we expect things to turn out well, it doesn't guarantee that they will turn out well, but it makes it more likely because it changes the way that the brain interprets things. So if we think positively, we, we help ourselves do the right things so that things do turn out well. I get that. I've seen it for myself. If I keep positive, it really helps. Milo, those were some interesting things you learned about positivity. Can you give us an example of this from your own experience? Well, yeah, when I was younger and I was starting football, I realised that it wasn't easy, like you couldn't just kick the ball miles. You have to like teach yourself how to do it. Try your best and don't give up because if you start thinking, oh, this is too hard, I'm not going to be able to do this, you're not going to progress. You're going to start doing it less and less and stop enjoying it. So just keep going. What about you, Luke? 
Do you think it helps to think positively? When I started school, I started playing violin. I'm left-handed when I play instruments, so I, at the start I was playing left-handed, but then I had to switch again to right-handed, and it was like just starting from scratch. It was really hard, but then I had a good mindset, and I thought that I could get better bow control, and I could be more confident while playing, and I got a bit better, and I'm still learning, but I try to have be very confident when I'm playing because if you aren't, it's going to be very screechy and you have to know that you're going to hit the correct strings and the correct notes. Having a positive mindset for that helped a lot. I also asked Fiona if it's harder now for younger people to have a good positive mindset. We live in quite difficult times, I think, in, in particular with the advent of social media. Um, I think there are, are a great number of pressures, particularly on young people, that there didn't used to be. So when I grew up, there was no internet. If there was media, it was uh, television and radio, things that were coming into your house, but you yourself weren't typically at least broadcasting outwards and having conversations with people over media. And so I think that social media in particular has put a lot of pressure on young people and it's affected their mental health. Sometimes they learn information they don't need to hear, like problems that they are too young to solve or to understand things they have no control over if they maybe see things online that is not true and like learning just off the internet and not learning things from school or from books that's not good you know it can make them very stressed. And I think that we see that now and we're really as a society starting to recognise the importance of mental health so thinking about what sort of creature I am, how are people different, how can we understand those differences between people and how can we be comfortable with the differences that there are between us and accepting of that is, is a topic that's coming to the fore and I think that's a good thing. I think one thing that's really important to understand about consciousness is that we philosophers and we scientists don't have all the answers about consciousness yet. I would hope that maybe children listening to this pro programme would think that the mind is a fascinating thing and would realise that there are lots of interesting questions yet to be explored about the mind and that they might think about growing up to be a scientist or growing up to be a philosopher to investigate these questions for themselves. Fiona is so right. The mind is fascinating. With those questions and answers looking, Milo, my mind has been blown away. Here in the laboratory of nonsense and the absurd in... The Science of Sense! We have a cool worksheet with more facts, games and experiments. We'd love to hear how you get on with your own experiments. You can download the worksheet with the information on it. Head to rte.ie forward slash learn to find out more. The Science of Sense is a curious broadcast production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee. Produced by Patricia Baker and Norma Lee. Final Mix Hugh O'Dwyer Contact Studio. Presented by Hugh W. Brown as Professor Bumbledum and Milo Costa and Luke Minnane. Music by Hugh W. Brown. 